and it's a dance. Like it's this beautiful back and forth when when both parties are are engaged and, and present and like doing all the things. It's a dance that gets created between the two of you that then can lead to the sense of connection, the safety, the warmth, all of these amazing things where then the relationship can bloom. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today we're going to be talking about uh, love languages that you haven't heard about. <laughs> so we're going above and beyond the the OG five. And, and we'll talk about all of those too. But um, before we dive in, we are going to talk about the communication clinic really quick because I'm holding a brand new workshop, the communication clinic on Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, this is all new information and I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Communication is its own love language, is it not? (laughs) So this is super closely related. And we're going to be talking about the different types of communication, um, including the ones that you aren't likely nearly as aware of, um, the ones that you are even, the types of communication that you are expressing that you don't even realize because 93% of our communication is totally nonverbal and how to actually address those at the root too, because that's a whole lot more than just handing you a couple words to say, um, you know, to in this situation, say this. And and we will talk about that too, like some specific tools that you can use um, that are verbal as well. But we're going to be going through the 10 commandments of communication and uh, things, very specific things that when you start to implement these, you will see a positive result in your relationships immediately, immediately. I, you can call that my guarantee. I promise you that if you implement some of these things right away, you will see an immediate shift in a positive direction in your various relationships, especially your romantic relationships, but these will apply to all of your different relationships. So I would love to see you there Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, The information is all over in the show notes at roomtogrowpodcast.com over on my website, or you can also check the show notes of wherever you are listening to this and it will all be listed and linked for you there. Okay. So I hope to see you there. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, And I haven't helped one of these in a while. So I'm super, super pumped about these. Uh, It's going to be a blast. I'm really, really excited. There's going to be lots of time to engage with me as well, like actual questions and all that stuff. That's how I prefer to run stuff is is where I actually get to talk to people. Like otherwise, I'm just staring at a screen, like talking to the screen. And I prefer to get to do stuff like this, like workshops and stuff where I actually get to talk to you because I get to do enough talking to a screen when I'm recording podcast episodes, (laughs) I want to actually speak to humans. So this is going to be such a beautiful opportunity for that. And I can't wait. Uh, If you can make it, I'd love to see you. And even if you can't make the time, sign up anyway, and then you will get the recording sent to you afterwards. Um, Live is ideal, but either way, you'll get the recording. Okay. 
So let's talk about the real love languages. Okay, so. If you have not heard of uh, the book, The Five Love Languages, it is actually, you may not actually realize just how popular this book is. So The Five Love Languages is by Gary Chapman, and it was originally published in 1992. Uh, Over 20 million copies have been sold, and it is quite literally one of the most longstanding popular books about love on the market because it gives people a really easy and simple framework to identify how they show up in relationship and how others show up in relationship and how we can be very different and both give and receive love in very different ways. So it shines a light on the fact that on the fact that we do have those differences and how do we bridge that gap. So it's super powerful in that way. What I will also say is that the five love languages are not actually backed by science. And I I tend to try to prefer to to come at things from the science angle uh, when possible. Um, but there there is so much power in these five love, love languages and for good reason. Why can I not say love languages? When I, when I talk too fast, I don't seem to be able to put those two words together. <laughs> anyway, so uh, just to run through those really quickly, and then we're going to get into 12 love, love like Guys, <laughs> this is going to be a long episode if I can't say love languages. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get into 12 love languages that I have created uh, that go, they go deep. They go, they go deep, but they're all things that are also like, if you're intentional about it, you can easily implement them. And I think they're going to really resonate with you. Um, So very quickly, the five love languages that Gary Chapman came up with are, and this is in no particular order, uh, physical touch, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and words of affirmation. So what I mean by that, um, you know, some of them are, are quite obvious, and I'm sure a lot of you are already very familiar with these, but physical touch is physical signs of affection and intimacy. So for people where physical touch is really important to them, the like any sort of physical touch with their their partner or loved one is a powerful indicator of emotional connection and comfort and warmth super super important quality time uh is really about like feeling loved on and adored when a partner wants to spend time with you and hang out and and making that time high quality so presence eye contact full engagement undivided attention those types of things that's what makes uh time spent with somebody quality like really good quality, nourishing time spent together. Gifts. Chapman calls these uh, visual symbols of love. So, and it's sort of because it's not only about the gift itself. For for somebody where where gifts are what resonate uh, for them the most, it's not only about the gift itself. It's also a reminder of the effort that went into the gift. And paying attention and listening to something that you said you wanted or needed and the the thought that was put into it, going out of your way to get something for you, even if it's really little, right? That can go a really long way for some people. Um, Acts of service. These are sort of like the little things or the big things potentially that your partner does for you that make your life just a little bit easier or demonstrates care for you. And for someone where acts of service resonates really highly, it's sort of an action speak more loudly than words alone here. So examples could be maybe like making you your morning coffee or making the bed, cooking a meal, taking care of something for you. That can be super, super special for somebody who who loves um, receiving acts of service. And words of affirmation. So these are like verbal acknowledgments of affection and appreciation and uh, encouragement, maybe even frequent communication in general, like 
texting. Um, it depends on the individual, but that can be super important as well. And to be clear, you know, like all five of these can be important to all of us. But I find that most people tend to have like one or two that that resonate the most deeply. So for me personally, it's physical touch and quality time by far. Um, that isn't to say that I don't love, you know, receiving a gift or uh, acts of service or words of affirmation. Like, again, we all kind of like need all of them um, in a lot of ways, but there are just ones that, that resonate uh, the most or that are the most meaningful. Now, the other part of this is, well, first of all, bear in mind that some of these can also vary based on things like cultural norms, um, the ways that you choose to identify, personal values, your unique personal history. That They all play a role in influencing what some of the most important um, love languages are to us personally. Now, the other thing is, is that when I ask people about what sort of resonates for them the most in terms of a love language, I also try to explain to them that there's a difference between how we show love versus how we recognize receiving love too. There isn't always a difference. So sometimes it can show up the same way because if, if, in my case, for example, because physical touch and quality time are my top two, if I don't have a communication, uh, if I don't, if I don't communicate with uh, a partner about what their style is, then I'm probably just going to assume that physical touch and quality time is also theirs because it's mine, right? So this is where we can get stuck in the weeds, and this is why it's really important to have these types of conversations where we figure out how does someone else recognize receiving love, and sometimes uh, there can be people who show love in a different way than they than they recognize receiving love. So maybe showing love for them looks like um, acts of service and words of affirmation, but they receive love through gifts and physical touch. So it can differ potentially, not, not necessarily, but for some people, they might look different depending which angle you're coming at it to. So when you're having this conversation with your partner or with your loved ones, it's important to um, kind of ask people and, and to ask yourself too, if, if those different areas are different for you or if they're the same. And you can kind of play around with that and like see what feels good. Um, but I wanted to go into what I feel are the the very underrated love languages that go a very long way. I I would argue um, go even farther sometimes than, than some of the other things. But that's not to discount this because at the end of the day, for me, like quality touch and er, quality touch, quality time and physical touch are still like so important to me. But I also would I, I also want to experience like these other these other love languages that I'm going to list as well. So number one of the underrated love languages. Number one, ask genuine questions with curiosity. If you've been listening to this podcast before, you've heard me say that. Uh, I will continue to say this <laughs> because it is so important. Asking genuine questions, like showing genuine interest and being curious about this person that you're engaging with. Because don't you want to know more about them? Like, like to me, I, I, that, that is an entire love language. That is an entire love language. When someone is genuinely interested in like asking me questions and wanting to know more about me. And like, that doesn't just stop after like the first five dates, by the way, that is a lifelong process or however long you, you are with that person, just, just however 
long breath remains in your body about being curious about other humans and the people that you're interacting with. It makes people feel so cared for and and shows such genuine assuming that it's it's coming from a genuine place shows such genuine interest in wanting to know more about them and it makes us feel special and cared for and it, it makes us feel seen and that's really really important so asking genuine questions with curiosity that's number 1 number 2 is active listening active listening is um, something that we all have to usually be constantly practicing. I, I often will still sometimes catch myself falling into the trap of like feeling like I'm planning what I'm going to say next or what point I want to make before I am, uh, before I'm, I'm, before I'm finished paying attention to, to what the person is saying as they're speaking. Or another example can be, um, where we're only kind of like half listening, you know, maybe like the TV is on and we've kind of got one eye in the TV and then we're kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody's talking to us. That's not active listening. Active listening is truly paying attention and engaging with your full presence to what the other person has to say, to the emotion that they're speaking with, to uh, potentially the things that are unsaid that you maybe sense intuitively because you're paying attention and then you can dig deeper with them to get curious, right? So this is a really big one. And a bonus tip here is to slow your speech. Um, there's a, a course that I'm taking right now. Uh, <laughs> and one of the activities that they had us practice was where we had to slow our speech down to this level as we were talking. I thought I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> I thought I was going to lose my mind. I'm like, uh, this this exercise, this might kill me. <laughs> I notoriously speak very fast. I am very aware of that. Um, and I honestly have a lot of difficulty slowing it down. The other problem is that the world that we live in, things like Instagram stories, for example, I'm always conscious of the fact that when you put up something like, you know, like don't put up 10 slides of, of like the talking head, um, the talking head situation, if four would do, you know, like, so I, I have, I've literally trained myself because this is the world we live in. Like how fast can we talk short form video, like all of these types of things. And I've literally trained myself on video to try and actually speak even faster to try and get my message across. Now, do I do that every day in conversation, like with with loved ones, with clients? No, I, I definitely slow down when I'm actually, you know, actively engaging with people in that way, as opposed to just speaking into a camera. Um, but it is it is tough. However, when we slow our speech down. It can also it can actually be not only very calming to the nervous system for some people. Um, it can also allow others to to really focus on the individual words and the sentiment behind them, and to really pick up on and pay attention to details that you may not have noticed if you were speaking at your usual twenty seven miles a minute, like I am sometimes guilty of. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> So that can be a little bit tricky. The other thing is um, is noticing that when you are slowing your speech, it, so it, we can get flooded. We can have instances where we get flooded 
And if you don't know what that means, it's it's the physiological response that your body has when you're feeling incredibly overwhelmed. Um, so if you are, for example, engaging in conflict of some kind, if you're having a really tough conversation with somebody, you this can show up in different ways for different people. So this can be like a tightness in the chest. It can be a sinking of the stomach. It can be a dry mouth. I've had that before where several of, of, of several different symptoms, but one uh, that I'm thinking of in particular where my mouth went so dry instantaneously that I was actually surprised I could still get words out because I was so stressed. Um, there, there's so many different examples of this. And when we get flooded, it can actually be sometimes because there's too much information being thrown at us at once and we're, we are genuinely overwhelmed. So this can actually be a tool that you use is to ask the, if you are feeling flooded and and I, there's a few different ways to handle that. But one, for, for the sake of this specific instance, one tool that you could use is to ask the other person to slow their speech down. And that's going to allow you to take in the information and process it at a rate that feels a little bit more gentle. Even if the words are harsh, it can it can maybe allow the sentiment to be processed um, a, a little bit better and a little bit more solidly. So slowing your speech down, that's my bonus tip to the, the act of listening. Number three of the underrated love languages that go a very long way. Something as simple as just thinking of you, I can't tell you, I, I make this an active practice. Um, when someone pops into my head, I even if I haven't talked to them in, in ages and it's just, you know, like an old friend or something like that, I, I try to, I, this doesn't happen 100% of the time, but I try to send them a super quick audio message or send them a quick text and just be like, hey, I was just thinking of you. You know, you just popped into my head. Uh, I was just thinking of you. Hope you're doing well. Something that simple, and I've gotten feedback from a lot of people about that before, about how much that meant to them where maybe it hit them in a moment where they were feeling really lonely or they were feeling um, stressed or overwhelmed. And just knowing that another human being was thinking of them, they found such comfort in that. And I know that I've experienced that myself. Like when people will reach out to me and just be like, hey, you know, you just popped into my head and, and I just wanted to, to drop you a line and say hi. That's just so lovely. It's just really lovely. And especially when it's somebody that we we love and adore, you know, especially if you're you're in like a romantic relationship with them or some sort of like like close uh, close relationship. Just that simple little thing that takes literally less than 10 seconds to do can be so powerful and just so beautiful to be on the receiving end of. I highly, highly recommend it. Some version of that, you know, just letting somebody know that you are thinking of them, that you popped into, that they popped into your thoughts. Um, it, that kind of makes me think of uh, the the gifts one, the giving gifts love language by by Chapman, that part of the sentiment is not even necessarily the gift itself, but the fact that that someone was thinking of us. That can be one of the really big powers behind that particular love language. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical gift. It can be a, a verbal and emotional connection of a gift that you give to someone by letting them know that you're thinking of them. It's so simple. And that can be all it takes. Number four, laughter and playfulness. There is science to back this one up. So the more, I mean... I just love this. And and this is why somebody who 
when you ask nearly anyone what they're looking for in a partner, a sense of humor is usually very high on the list because life is not always easy. Shit is going to hit the fan sometimes. And sometimes you just need to be able to laugh about it and to bring some play into the relationship and to to just not have everything be so heavy all the time. And I tend to laugh a lot. <laughs> I laugh at inappropriate moments sometimes. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. Um, I, I laugh a lot. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I value that because I don't, I couldn't be with someone who was super, super serious. Like if I was the only one laughing, all the time with with a partner, that that wouldn't be nearly as much fun for me. That would not be entertaining. We've all had that experience. Hopefully we've all had that experience where you can just kick back with somebody and just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And it's the best. Like nothing replaces that. So laughter and playfulness is so important and also scientifically shown to be incredibly powerful and uh, very important to the health of, of a relationship. Number five is loyalty. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk on this one, as I often do, because I'm all about the nuance. Uh, Loyalty, I did an episode, uh, I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head. Um, I think it's 292. Don't don't quote me on that. I (laughs) I will reference it in the show notes. There's an episode that I did all about be become so fucking loyal to your own personal transformation that you become unshakable. So when I say loyalty, I am someone who can be loyal to a fault. Loyal to the point where I have been in relationships where I have been loyal beyond the point that it was good for me, like where it actually became detrimental for me to be as loyal as I was. So while loyalty is something that I highly, highly value and having, you know, I hope for everyone that they get to experience what it's like to have someone who is incredibly loyal in their lives. Just make sure that you are also still being incredibly loyal to yourself, to your own values, to the way that you're showing up, to your own growth, your own uh, development, uh, your own relationships and, and, and play and purpose and all of these things. It is a balancing act between all, all of these different areas, which is where it can get a little bit tricky. But also in my experience, loyalty is a little bit more difficult quality to teach. Oftentimes people are people who are super, super loyal that's that's sort of like an it's almost like an innate trait. And there are ways where we can teach, you know, how how to become a bit more loyal, but sort of like that that core level loyalty that I, hopefully you have experienced from at least one other person in your life, that that level of loyalty is tough to is tough to teach. But again, it can go too far. So just be conscious of that. So while, yes, loyalty, I, I absolutely wanted to add it to the, the underrated love languages list. Um, it is something that can be uh, to our own detriment. So just be mindful of that. Uh, number six is presence. Ah, presence. That potent, potent presence. So if you want to know more about presence, 
The first place I'm going to send you is episode 266 with my friend Traver Boehm. It is one of uh, my favorite episodes on this entire podcast. I absolutely love it. I love Traver. He's such a fantastic guy. If you have men in your life, if you are a man who is listening to this, I I recommend that you go check out um, Traver and all of the beautiful things that he's doing. He's just doing so much for the men's movement and in really beautiful ways. And he is just the most giving human. He's, he's fantastic. So highly recommend going to check out that episode. Um, we talk a lot about presence and Traver gives the most beautiful explanation I've, I have heard as of yet about what, how we define showing presence in relationships. And when I talked about the the quality time uh, love language of of Gary Chapman's, I mentioned presence super briefly because that's part of what gifts us. That that's part of what what makes us feel that the time spent with someone was quality. Is if if both parties are fully present with each other, not just you know sitting beside each other like two strangers and lonely as fuck, even though you're sitting right next to the person that you actually might care the most for in the world, as one or both of you is like scrolling through your screens or whatever. And listen, like yes, we all do that sometimes, but being very intentional about cultivating presence in the way that we show up and letting people know that we actually care about them, just by being present. There is so much power in that. There is so much power in that. In fact, I, I, I mentioned on that episode with Traver about a relationship that I ended um, with a, a fantastic human literally because they were not present. They, they comple- they, he lacked presence in so many ways that my nervous system could not handle it. And, and he's a wonderful human in, in so many ways. I have nothing but good things to say about him. But I could not engage in a relationship where... I was with someone who was not fully present. So make sure to cultivate that within yourself and the way that you show up with others. And it is a really important one to, to look for when it comes to, um, to the relationships, uh, you know, how people are showing up for us in relationship as well. Number seven is open, honest communication. <laughs> so this ties in with the communication clinic that I am holding uh, coming up. Um, but this is a really big one. This is a really big one. I, I I think everybody can agree on this, that open, honest communication is absolutely its own love language and is so necessary for any relationship to be able to thrive, to even have a hope of thriving. So I don't think you need much more explanation on that one, but a uh, huge one. Open, honest communication being as transparent, uh, direct, but direct with compassion and kindness um, and honest, just... Uh, as honest as you can possibly be, that is so, so crucial. Number eight, underrated love language is choosing people who choose you back. Choose people who choose you back because otherwise you are setting yourself up for heartbreak and it's not going to go well. And I think most of us have likely been in those types of situations um, and, you know, engaging in that that push-pull dynamic and the back and forth. And there's nothing about that that feels good. There's nothing about that that feels good or healthy or or safe. Like it, it doesn't cultivate safety within the relationship. And that safety piece is so key for trust to be able to build, to be able to be built and for love to grow, for the relationship to be able to flourish in any way, choose people who choose you back. 
That applies to virtually any relationship, not just romantic relationships. Number nine, this one is a little bit unusual. Um, I've I've talked about this maybe, I can't remember which episodes. I, I've mentioned this a couple times before on the podcast. This one is one that is particularly close to my heart. Um, it won't necessarily be quite as highly rated perhaps for everyone, but uh, protective instincts, protective instincts. So I am very high, uh, high in, I'm very high in protective instincts. Like I can't underscore that enough to the point where, again, it can sometimes, uh, I have in the past been so protective of people that it's sometimes at my own detriment in order to protect someone else and in a variety of different ways. And, you know, even my, my girlfriends have experienced this where like, I'm very protective of them. And, uh, the, everyone in my life has, has experienced that about me. And, that, that can be a beautiful quality. The tricky part is that when you are someone who is highly protective, if you are engaging with people who aren't very protective of you and that you feel like don't actually have your back or that, or that you thought that they did and then you find out after the fact that they didn't at all, that can be particularly devastating because when you're someone who comes to the table with very high protective instincts, it can almost be, and this could be argued for obviously any quality, but it can almost be um, an unconscious expectation, almost like a covert contract that we create where we assume that others are going to be as protective of us as we are of them. And then when they're not, or if they're not, then we're let down. So it's sort of this expectation that, that is unspoken. And as, as we've talked about on here before, expectations can be very dangerous. <laughs> so we have to always be striving to do whatever we can to manage our expectations as much as possible. But protective instincts, there is something to be said about that being a love language because if you feel like the person that you are engaged in a relationship with has your back, that they are protective of you. And I don't, this is a very fine line. I'm not talking protective in terms of controlling. That is a very different conversation. That goes down like a a whole road of uh, potential for abuse and everything else. That is a very different type of, of thing. And there are people who can try to say that they're protective when it's actually just control. And that is, that is completely different. I'm not talking about that version of at all, because to me, that's not the same uh, in any way whatsoever. But just being lovingly protective uh, with boundaries <laughs> of, of people, that's, that's really beautiful to be on, on the receiving end of. And it can just make us feel um, cared for. And again, like when, when done well, and done in a healthy way that can create safety within the relationship too. So yeah, that one is a little bit, um, it, it doesn't necessarily resonate as much for everyone, but I, I always think that that's actually a, a, a very underrated one that is, is more important than, than people give it credit for. Because you want to know that the people closest to you have your back. That you want to know that, that they have your back. So that, that's a big one. Number 10, warmth, sweetness, and a sense of ease in a relationship is such an underrated love language. You know, we can, we can have all the tools and we can like have checklists and, and, and things that we want to have in a relationship and all of those things. But if you don't have warmth, sweetness, and a sense of ease with someone, not a lot of the other stuff is going to matter. 
Like that is what helps to build the the foundation and and not only the foundation, that is what helps to sustain a relationship over the long term. That sense of feeling like you can be at home with someone and and that that warmth and that comfort that can be created. And that's related to number 11 actually too. And number 11 is feeling safe enough to be yourself and to take your your metaphorical armor off and doing the same for others. So creating the space where the other person feels safe enough to take their armor off too. And they feel safe enough to show up as themselves, like as as their authentic, genuine self without fear of, um, you know, being judged or, or being made fun of or um, anything, anything like that. Again, it's that core sense of safety. Safety is sort of like woven throughout uh, all of these in, in a lot of different ways. It is really a crucial piece of, of a healthy relationship. And number 12 is creating openings. So what I mean by that is sort of the idea of, of like vulnerability. And, and again, so this is very, again, very closely related to the last one about feeling safe within the relationship. And when we this is a bit of a dance because when we feel safe enough to uh, to open up to somebody, then that's when we're more likely to share a little bit more of ourselves and to be a little bit more vulnerable and, and that creates an opening. And sometimes we have to be the one to go first. So if we're just sitting around waiting for somebody to be vulnerable with us, <laughs> not, not that we would necessarily think about it in those exact terms, but if that's more or less what we're doing, where we're like waiting for somebody else to open before we will be willing to open, you might be waiting a really long time uh, until it's potentially too late. And what can happen is like, th- this, is, this is where trust gets created. When we can open up a little bit, and I'm not saying, you know, give away all your dirty secrets in first round one. But <laughs> but if you can create an opening where you share a little bit about yourself, something that's maybe, you know, a little bit, a little bit scary to share, and then you see how that's received. And then maybe that gives the other person permission to then give their a share of their own about something that's a little bit scary for them. And it's a dance. Like it's this beautiful back and forth when when both parties are, are engaged and, and present and like doing all the things, it's it's a dance that gets created between the two of you that then can lead to the sense of connection, the safety, the warmth, all of these amazing things where then the relationship can bloom. But sometimes we're going to have to be the one to go first. That's also related to confident detachment. So my dear, dear friend, uh, Dr. Jade Tita and I did a highly popular episode about that one. Um, That is the second most downloaded podcast episode on the entire Room to Grow podcast and with good reason. Um, So I highly recommend checking that one out as well. That one may completely revolutionize your relationships. I am not joking. That is not an exaggeration. So go check that one out uh, with with Dr. Jade. I will reference that one in the show notes as well. Um, And and this is where we have to sometimes just be willing to show up and to be our genuine selves and to put it all out on the table and and see how it's received, see how how we are received and to see how the other person reacts. When I say all out on the table, again, I'm not talking about like sharing every secret you have. I mean just showing up and letting the other person know that you're interested in them. Like 
it's, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. It is safe to do that. And, and cultivating that confidence within yourself to feel safe enough to do that, no matter how the other person responds. And I know that's scary because we're human. Like rejection is one of the scariest things that, that we can come across because we all just want safety and belonging. That, that's ultimately what we're all searching for and to feel seen, heard, um, cared for. All of those are crucial human needs, but sometimes we're going to have to go first. So let me know what you think of these. Uh, I want to know what you would add because this is certainly not a complete list. We could go on all day about the number of uh, uh, underrated love languages, but I wanted to explore these a little bit to give you some things to think about um, that go above and beyond just the the typical five that that we all hear about. And they're super powerful, but they're, there's there's always more, right? Like this is the juicy part about relationships is that there's always more. There's always more good stuff in there. So let me know how this goes. Uh, Try some of these out. Let me know how that goes. I'm over at Emily Goff Coach over on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let me know how it lands and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.